0: Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, fun with two-man lineups. What is the most surprising data from the Wolves two-man lineups over the first month of the season? The best two-man lineups, the worst two-man lineups. What's the most surprising information from all this data? Also, A.J. Lawson is back with the Wolves. He's on a two-way deal after spending training camp in Minnesota, going to the G League for a little while. Let's talk A.J. Lawson and hear a little bit about him from somebody who covered him over the summer. It's all coming on the show Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves.
1: You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's show is brought to us by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched three million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available one hundred percent online. Learn more and save ten percent off your first month at betterhelp.com/slash locked Happy Tuesday, everybody. And uh, lots to talk about today. I want to start talking two-man lineups. I want to get into a couple of other notes, uh, you know, as we take a breath here in between Kind of sets of games, a couple of consecutive off days, take stock of where the wolves sit in a couple of key categories, and then get to AJ Lawson, who's back with the Wolves. I want to, I had a conversation with Sean Woodley, who covered A.J. Lawson in the Canadian Summer Basketball League this past uh we talked in July. I want to play a quick clip from when he broke down A.J. Lawson's game in case uh you are you missed that episode or forgot what he's all about. I want to play that here at the end of the show. So tons to get to. First of all, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is and free- available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B Beacon. And a reminder that you can download the brand new Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. All right. Let's start with some two-man data. So uh, what this tells us is obviously, which Timberwolves pairings, which pairings of players have been most successful this season. And there's obviously some noise in there. There's tons of combinations, right? Because you take every player on the roster, pair them with the other, you know, what, 11 or so guys that have played this season. Um, So the way I did this is I went to nba.com slash stats, and I sorted the, uh, the stats by minutes played instead of just by net rating, because then it gets real noisy because you get all you get those weird like um you know 1 minute 8 minute combinations stuff like that. So I went with the the 25 most commonly used lineups uh by the Timberwolves this season. Sorry, 25 most commonly used two man lineups for the Wolves. And then I pulled out all of the positive ones, which spoiler there aren't very many. It turns out the Wolves have really struggled so far this season, and I pulled out the worst ones that they've had. So I want to go through like basically what 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 that tells us if if anything we're gonna we're gonna work through this together so I pulled of the top 25 lineup two-man lineup combinations 25 so this ranges from the the most used lineup duo is Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards they played 391 minutes together over all 14 games the wolves have played the 25th most used two-man lineup is Towns and Jordan McLaughlin who played 99 minutes together so these parents have all played between 99 and 300 and. 91 minutes together. The, the pairings that I'm considering here, the top 25 most used Timberwolves pairings so far this season. Of those 25, there are only, get this, eight that have a positive net rating of the 25. Of those eight, one of them is a positive net rating by one, it's a plus one, and that's D'Angelo Russell and Kyle Anderson. That is the only one of the eight that D'Angelo Russell appears in. There were three Timberwolves players that appear three times each in this top eight. Anthony Edwards is in three of the duos. Carl Anthony Towns is in three. Sorry, there's four Timberwolves players. Jalen Ouell is in three. And Jordan McLaughlin is in three. So the best Timberwolves lineup combination that's been used relatively frequently is the aforementioned Jordan McLaughlin, Carl Anthony Towns pairing, they played 99 minutes together, which ranks 25th in terms of most used World's lineups, but they're a plus 20.3 net rating, 20.3. That's fantastic in their minutes together. Now, of course, the nature of two men lineups, if you're not familiar with, with how all the lineup data works, it's fairly self-explanatory. It just means those two guys are on the floor together. But if you take that a step further, sometimes they were on the floor without D'Angelo Russell, no doubt. But some of this data would also include D'Angelo Russell. Uh, in fact, just the other night, and um, uh, I guess they did this in Memphis, but it was also uh, the win in Cleveland on Sunday. Chris Finch had D'Angelo Russell and, and Jordan McLaughlin on the floor together for a decent period of time, end of first, early second quarter, I think it was. So that's been happening a little bit more often. Now, a lot of these minutes are Cat at the five, Jordan McLaughlin at the one, no D'Lo on the floor. somewhere with D'Lo at the two. Uh, but at any rate, Townsend and McLaughlin together are plus 20.3. Um, And of course, I read my own numbers wrong. That's the second best lineup after talking about that for like a minute. It's the second best lineup. The best one is actually Jordan McLaughlin and Anthony Edwards, which is a plus 25. So not, you know, it's close, 106 minutes, roughly the same amount of time. Uh, tw- a plus 25 McLaughlin and Edwards together, which again could include D'Lo. And and that would be, if we looked at three man lineups, you could break that down a little bit further, or it could be Edwards at the two McLaughlin at the one, um, the other two man lineups that, that are, are positive Jalen Noel well and Anthony Edwards together plus 14.9, which surprised me a little. Of course, we had a couple of those games, um, I'm forgetting which ones now, but a couple of weeks ago, where it was Ant plus a bench lineup that did really well to start the fourth quarter of a couple of games. And I think some of that is resi- residual from those really dominant performances. But Jalen and Anthony Edwards together are the Timberwolves' third best two man pairing to this point in the season 115 minutes together and a 14, a plus 14.9. And then there's several that are between five points and six and a half points. Uh, Edwards and Torian Prince together are a plus 6.4. Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel together, a plus 5.8. Noel and Towns together, 5.7. And Towns and Kyle Anderson together, a 5.3. And I mentioned Russell and Anderson at a plus one. So again, the trends here of these eight lineups, there are four players represented twice, or excuse me, four players represented three times. Towns, Edwards, Noel, and McLaughlin. There's one player represented twice, and that's Kyle Anderson. And then there's two players that only appeared once in these lineup combos. That's Torian Prince and D'Angelo Russell. There are two players notably absent from this list: a positive net rating, parents Rudy Gobert and Jade McDaniel's. The other three starters are all present, right? Carl Anthony Towns is is on three of the top eight. Um, Anthony Edwards is on three of the top eight, and D'Angelo Russell even makes an appearance in that pairing with Kyle Anderson. But there's no Rudy Gobert and there's no Jaden McDaniel's notably in these uh, in this net uh, the, the 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 top a you know, positive net rating pairings. That's really interesting. Now on the flip side, let's take the worst two-man pairings so far this season. The worst two-man pairing so far this season in 108 minutes together, which is again, towards the bottom of this list, but still one of the top 25 pairings, Torian Prince and Rudy Gobert. The second worst, Torian Prince and Jalen Noel. The third worst is DeAndre Russell and Edwards. And you go on down the list, it's Delo and Towns, Delo and Prince, McDaniels and Gobert, and McDaniels and Towns. So, on the worst list, the, the, the worst two man pairings Wolves have had Gobert's on there twice, McDaniels is on there twice, uh, Delo is on there three times, and Prince is on there three times. So, to recap this, no Rudy Gobert in the top eight lineups but yet he's in two of the worst seven lineups. I only went seven because then it got really kind of muddy. So he's in two of the worst seven lineups. No, Jade McDaniels in the top eight, two men pairings, but he's present in two of the worst seven lineups. There is one D in the top eight lineups and three D in the bottom seven lineups. Carl three towns appears in three of the best and two of the worst. Um, and that's, and that's I mean, like McLaughlin and Noel's in one of the worst lineups and Edwards is in one of the worst, but McLaughlin doesn't appear at all in the bottom seven lineups for the Wolves. Noel and Edwards only once a piece and Towns twice. You have Russell three times, McDaniels twice, and Gobert twice. Uh, oh, and also Prince three times. So like, again, this isn't the end all be all. There's some noise in here to be sure, but it's pretty interesting. It Rewind to last year. I talked about this pretty extensively. I think it was really the August time frame kind of gearing up for the season. The Timberwolves' best two-man pairing last season was Jalen Noel and Carl Anthony Towns. They were really good. Jalen Noel was a fantastic pick-and-roll ball handler. Look at his points per possession over at B-Ball Index. We talked about this on the show. Noel and Towns together were dynamic, especially in pick-and-roll game. And uh, it was just a really fun pairing. So far this year, that's the one of the Timberwolves' top... I think, I think they're like seventh and yeah, to, certainly a top, a top eight pairing Noel and Towns together plus 5.7 so far in 123 minutes. So, um, so what does this tell us? I, it's obviously very early, right? We're 14 games into the season we can keep saying that it's true. We're only a month in, right? But we know that the Noel and Towns pairing is good. It confirms to us that like, you know, the Jordan McLaughlin minutes that have felt Really positive, have been really positive. Jalen Noel, kind of the same thing, although I want to talk more about Noel here next segment in, in a little bit less of a positive light. Um, and I think the Gobert stuff is maybe most interesting to me. McDaniels isn't as surprising because I think sometimes we overrate what he his actual production is defensively versus what it looks like he's doing. Um And also all the fouls really hurt because he's putting opponents on the line. He doesn't contribute as much offensively consistently. So that's not super surprising. The Gobert net rating, the minus 16 with Prince was surprising to me. And and this isn't enough data yet for Chris Finch to make like concrete rotation decisions based on this info. 14 games of two-man lineup data but there are certain pairings that work really well together. It's clear that Noel and Towns, last year's data, this year's data, tells us that. McLaughlin and Edwards are a very interesting pairing in the backcourt together. They're a plus 25 in over 100 minutes. That needs to be explored further. At the same time, why is D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, why are why is their pairing one of the worst on the team and and you know even worse than the D'Angelo Russell, Rudy Gobert pairing, which I think is really interesting. Um, so there's certainly, again, a lot going on here, but it's really interesting to check in on this from every, every, you know, every now and again, and, and sitting here right now, the consistent theme is Towns, Edwards, Noel, McLaughlin, the best performers in two-man groups. D'Angelo Russell, Jay McDaniels, Torian Prince, the worst in two-man groups. All right, coming up here next, I want to talk a little more about Jalen Noel. Well, I want to talk about a couple other issues the Wolves are having and Compare the Wolves roster, how they're performing in, in a couple of categories to the rest of the league. We'll do that here next. First, though, today's episode of Locked Out Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Sweat Block. Uh, if you've had any issues with embarrassing sweat, which is yeah, like personally, occasionally this will happen at you know at work, even if it's not like warm, even if you don't feel like you're hot, you're in a meeting, you kind of sit there for a while. Um And, you know, you have your arms down and then all of a sudden you have sweat stains or whatever, even if you feel like you're not generally that sweaty of a person, everyone's been there before, right? A meeting at work, a presentation, whatever that might be. Um, And then you feel like you have to hide your, your sweat stains on your shirt for the rest of the day. I'll tell you what, though. Something that has worked towards fixing that problem for me and for many others is Sweatblock. Sweatblock wipes are invented by a doctor and they're guaranteed to work or you don't pay. They call it the Sweatblock Dry Shirt Guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock risk-free today. Save 20% with the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Again, 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. Today's episode is also brought to us by our friends over at Rocket Money. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe for you it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that just never gets streamed. There's a great app that I've used that helps me track all my expenses and because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions I don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, it used to be known as Truebill. They've been our friends for a while. They're now known as Rocket Money. I recently moved and that was a perfect time to kind of audit all of the subscriptions and and you know, this is it's exactly the sort of situation that you won't find yourself in if you're actively using Rocket Money. It's fantastic. This app shows you all of your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for. You may even find out that you've been double-charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com. lockdown. Seriously, it could save you hundreds. Per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Rocketmoney.com
1: slash locked on.
0: A big thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, a couple additional Wolves stats I want to dive into. First, let's talk defensive rebound rate. So this has been an issue going back to last year. The Wolves were bottom three basically all season in defensive rebound rate. I think they finished 29th, if I'm not mistaken, Um, it's been, it was a major issue. So yeah, you know, part of the idea behind bringing in Rudy Gobert is, Hey, he was the league's literally the best defensive rebounder by percentage in the entire league. Actually, I think both percentage and per game, the, the rebounds per game stat last season, Rudy was the best in the league. So you bring him in, he patches up your hole there. He helps patch up the, the rim protection issue, right? You, You get somebody that's the best in the areas that you as a team were the worst at it's logical. It makes sense. However, Rudy Gobert is still one of the best rebounders in the league. 14 games, you know, 14 games into this season, he's played in 12, so 12 of 12 Rudy games into this season. But the Wolves are still 27th in defensive rebound rate. Why is that? So we talked about this pretty extensively. I think it was Friday's show, and, and um, actually the the postcast uh, following it was either Friday. I think it was Friday's game against Memphis. Marnie Gellner and I, um, if you're not familiar, we go live 45 minutes after every Wolves game. Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North and I to break down the game. We go live on YouTube and uh, I think it was the Memphis game. We identified like all these no man's land rebounds that the Timberwolves guards just failed to grab. And there was a list of like five guards that played. It was like D'Lo, Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel, Uh, Bryn Forbes, like this combination of guys that played collectively 82 minutes together, guards and wings for the Wolves last Friday at Memphis, they gathered zero rebounds. Chris Finch called out, not that stat specifically, but that being an issue after that game because Rudy and Cat both had good rebounding numbers, but so many other guys on the team did nothing. It was an issue again in Cleveland on Sunday, especially early in that game. The Wolves allowed the Cavs to grab all these, they really turned into 50-50 balls, these long rebounds that don't get all the way out back to the perimeter usually, They kind of fall somewhere from 12 to 18 feet from the rim. And you have so many guys in close rebounding and other guys that are contesting and releasing and leaking down the floor, looking for a fast break opportunity and easy bucket, which is something that you can't have multiple guys doing, especially when you're as bad a defensive rebounding team as the Wolves have been forever, it feels like. But at any rate, those rebounds, the Wolves have been allowing the opposition to get far too frequently. And that's not up to Rudy, right? Rudy's down below, and teams a lot of times are dedicating at least one, if not two guys, to Rudy Gobert. And so you're talking the Wolves guards are getting beat by usually less, you know, if there's two guys on Rudy, that means there's only three guys to get a rebound and there's four other Wolves players, and yet the Wolves are still getting beat to these balls on long rebounds. That's a major issue. So I dug a little bit deeper into this in terms of, like, what about some of the teams that are better rebounding teams league-wide defensively? And actually, the Wolves play one on Wednesday. We'll do a full Magic preview on Wednesday. I think they're a really fascinating team. They're playing much better lately. They play Monday night too. So um, I'm recording this before their game's over. So we'll get the opportunity to see how they did Monday and kind of include that in, in the preview Wednesday. But through play on Sunday, so prior prior to Monday night's games, um, Orlando was number, I believe they're number three. Yes, number three in the league in defensive rebound rate, 79.1% of rebounds are grabbed by the magic defensive rebounds the wolves still rank 27th and their percentages 73.1 percent of rebounds are grabbed by the Timberwolves so you look at individual players again defensive rebounds only I'm talking about right now defensive rebound percentage and you look at the magic you look at the magic roster look at individual players and their defensive rebound rates. They have four players who all play rotation minutes that have defensive rebound rates of 21% or higher. Four players. Bull has a 27.5% defensive rebound rate, which is nuts. Wendell Carter Jr., always been a great rebounder, 23.2%. Paolo Bancaro, the rookie, who's banged up right now, hopefully he plays Wednesday because I'd like to see him play, against the Wolves, 22.6% defensive rebound rate, and Mobamba, 21.6% defensive rate. Four guys, 21% or higher on the defensive glass. The Wolves have three, and one of them's Nate Knight, who's only played in five games. So throw his 13 minutes out, they have two. Rudy Gobert, 28%, which is, by the way, slightly higher than Bol Bol, half a point higher. And Carlton Towns, 22.2%. The next closest Timberwolf is Nas Reed at 15.8%. So they have two guys above 16% defensive rebound rate. The Orlando Magic not only have four rotation players above 20%, they've got Chuma Okiki at 16.1%. So they actually have five guys in the same area where the Wolves have two in terms of individual defensive rebound rate. They've also got guards that rebound the ball better than the Wolves guards. Um, Interesting one to me is Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony's not a very big guy. I'll see what he's listed at. I want to say he's like 6'2". Yeah, 6'2". Cole Anthony's 6'2", listed at 6'2". He has a 13.8% defensive rebound rate. Want to know what the Wolves guards are? D'Angelo Russell's 9.1%. Bryn Forbes, 2.1%. Anthony Edwards is up at 14.7%, which is barely higher than Cole Anthony which is a problem, but it's also way up for Ant. That's been an issue throughout his career. He's actually brought that number up. It still should be higher. Jaden McDaniels, not a guard, but a wing, 6.7% defensive rebound rate. Jaden McDaniels is like 6'8", if not taller, lanky, massive seven-plus-foot wingspan, 6.7% defensive rebound rate. And he's your starting three. That's a massive issue. Cole Anthony's has a better-than-double has more than double Jade McDaniels' defensive rebound rate to this point this season. And I'm not only blaming Jade McDaniels, I'm blaming Anthony Edwards, I'm blaming D'Angelo Russell, I'm blaming to a lesser extent Bryn Forbes because he doesn't, like, nobody. nobody's ever expecting him to rebound. Although 2.4% defensive rebound rate is absurdly low. Um, so... This is a team-wide issue. It's something that felt like it got better actually later in the game against Cleveland Sunday. It's something to monitor, but it could be a major issue against Orlando because they do crash the glass and they're a top three defensive rebounding team. The Wolves are the fourth worst team in the league to this point, defensive rebounding wise. So watch that on Wednesday at Orlando. Um, another thing very briefly is Jalen Noel. Jalen um, I'm curious to see what his minutes look like here moving forward. Um, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know, I think highly of Jalen Noel. I was on him as somebody who I thought should play more minutes going all the way back to the end of Ryan Saunders tenure. Uh, like right towards the end of Saunders tenure, Noel got to play due to some injuries. I It was right before COVID. Um, is that right? Is that timing right? Or was it the year after COVID? The year after COVID, actually. So it was it was actually, I think guys were out with COVID, which is why Jalen Noel got the opportunity in the first place back in January of, of 21. And I was clamoring for him to see more time. And last year, he played really well when he got the opportunity. Early this year, he was fantastic. But we're now seeing a really inefficient bench chucker at the moment. I, I Like, I'm calling this out because it's what's currently happening. Jalen Well is shooting too much for how few shots he's making. He's 31% from threes, 41% from the field overall. And yet his usage rate has gone up. Uh, and actually his usage rate, by the way, is number one on the team, 27.5%. That means that when Jalen Noel's on the floor, more than a quarter of the Timberwolves possessions are being used by Jalen Noel. He's the one that is ending the possession, whether that's a made shot, missed shot, uh, turnover, et cetera. That's Jalen Noel, 27.5%. His assist rate is down, his usage rate is up, his turnover rate is up, and his free throw rate is way down. Yet his shot selection is not worse. Like he's shooting roughly the same number of threes. He's actually shooting the ball at the rim more often. He's not shooting a bunch of long twos. He's doing a better job of getting to the rim. The problem is he's is he's making shots at the rim at, at an 8% lower clip than last year. Instead of 68% at the rim, he's, he's 60, 60.5% at the rim. And his free throw rate is almost half of what it was last year. Some of that's bad luck. Some of it could be, and I'd have to go and dig into his shot attempts at the rim, is he shining from contact, is he just simply not finishing? Why is he not getting the foul calls he did last year? But for some reason, he's eight points lower at the rim. He's seen about half as many free throw attempts, even though the, three point, the number of three-pointers is about the same, and he's also making way less threes, right? I mean, last year he finished uh, 39%, 39.4% on threes. He's eight and a half points lower than that at 30.9% right now. So eight points lower from outside the arc, eight points lower at the rim and less free throw attempts will do that. Again, I don't think it's shot selection. It's just simply shot making. And sorry, I say I don't think it's shot selection. The shots he's taking are good shots in terms of where on the floor he's taking them from. I think he's still shooting a little too much. I think he's taking this microwave score off the bench thing a little too far when occasionally he's out there with guys that, you know, we talked about the two-man lineups a minute ago, first segment of the show, Noel and Edwards together actually have a really good net rating. It's the third best two-man net rating of any pairing. When Jalen Noel's out there with Anthony Edwards, they can play off of each other maybe a little better even than they have to this point. So um, all that to say, Noel has kind of flipped where he was like underutilized, super efficient, and now it's like he's on the floor and it's just chuck, 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 chuck as much as, you know, if he can get his hands on the ball, he's throwing it up at the rim. And he's just not being as efficient as he really should be. Um, So... Something else to keep an eye on here as we move forward. All right, I want to close the show with uh, with a clip from the segment that I I talked about with Sean Woodley with Locked Out Raptors. I'll set that up here for you in just a minute, and we'll get into that. First, though, let's talk about uh, our friends over at Prize Picks. This episode is brought to us by Prize Picks. Wednesday night, Timberwolves Magic. I want to take Carl Anthony Towns over on points. And I'm actually take the under on rebounds because I'm skeptical about the Wolves ability to rebound against Bulbul and Mobamba and the Orlando Magic. So I may take Towns over points, Towns under rebounds. You can do that. You can also cross sports with prize picks. Uh, there's no football Wednesday, but Wolves game uh, this weekend on Saturday, you could do college football over or under on any of uh, you know various stats. You can also do the Timberwolves game if you want. It's super easy. Pick two to five players at prize picks and if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, of course, as well as NFL, MLB, college sports, Uh, WNBA when they're in season, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, you name it. It's there. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they will give you $50. do not forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right. I want to close the show today by talking about AJ Lawson. He of course was initially going to sign a two-way deal with Minnesota back in like July. He did. He was, uh, this was coming off a solid performance in summer league with the Dallas Mavericks. And he was in camp with the Wolves, got some preseason action along with some other guys who had some NBA experience and Lawson ended up being let go because the Wolves were going to go with Eric Paschal. They were interested. Ultimately, they let Paschal go to bring in Luka Garza. There was some shuffling. Lawson left. He went and played in the G League, and now he's back with Minnesota. This was actually reported Monday evening by Sham Sharania that that A.J. Lawson was going to rejoin the Timberwolves on a two-way deal. So far this season, he's been playing for the College Park Skyhawks. He's played four games um, for them and is averaging – Where'd my averages go? I have his stats pulled up. There they are 22.3 points per game, 6.5 rebounds per game. He's shooting 52% from outside the arc, actually 53% on more than four attempts per game. Just bonkers numbers through four games. And he was really good last year in the G League as well. Uh, maybe not quite so eye poppy numbers wise. Um, but all that to say, back when the Wolves initially signed him in July, I talked with Sean Woodley of Lockdown Raptors. He's the Lockdown Raptors host. He also does covers a lot of of, uh, Canadian basketball. He's, of course, based in Canada and did play-by-play for the Canadian Summer Basketball League, had five or six of Lawson's 10 games that he played there, Um, had some familiarity with him uh, given his uh, proximity to the Raptors as well. So I did a full podcast with Sean, basically a full podcast back, it was actually July 25th. So if you want to go listen to the full, we did about, almost 20 minutes on A.J. Lawson, his potential fit as an NBA player. So go back and listen to that. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on the audio feed, whatever you're listening to the show on right now. You can go find the full conversation. I'm going to play a quick five, six-minute clip. Uh, Sean's initial answer to when I, I posed to him, like, hey, what is, well, you'll hear, I'll set it up in the clip, um, you know, what is A.J. Lawson going to do at the NBA level? So without further ado, here is that clip from my conversation with Sean Woodley at Lockdown Raptors. Generally, you know, tell Timberwolves fans, tell the listeners, what should we expect from AJ Lawson? What type of a player is he? What are kind of the, the, the high points when it comes to, to Lawson?
1: So, being the hacky play-by-play guy that I am, I actually came up with a nickname for A.J. Lawson and one of his other teammates, this guy Sean Miller-Moore, another Canadian guy. I think he played for Grand Canyon State or something like that, for those Grand Canyon State heads out there. Um, But either way, him and A.J. Lawson kind of worked as sort of the outlets in transition for Guelph. And Guelph, this season, really kind of made their bones as a transition team. Not the greatest half-court offense, but on the run, they were fantastic. And it was A.J. Lawson and Sean Miller-Moore, who I developed. Dubbed the Flash Brothers because of how fast they are. Um, that that was kind of the whole story of AJ Lawson's time with the Guelph Nighthawks this year. He was one of the best Canadians in the league, and this is a league where a lot of the top Canadians who you see on the national team and things like that will play in the summer. And he was, you know, had he played the full season, I probably would have voted him Canadian of the year, which is one of the awards that the league hands out. Uh, and really just watching him scream down the wings he was a fantastic catch and shoot guy nice guy on the side where you can kind of swing it to him and you can work it and and, you know he can sort of attack a closeout that was sort of the stuff you were seeing from aj lawson really disruptive defensively forced a lot of steals And he was able to sort of occupy a role, which gives me some hope that he can slot into an NBA team someday in terms of not having to have the ball in his hands. Sometimes in this league, you get guys who are, you know, like the best players on their team their entire lives. They go to the NBA, doesn't quite work out because they can't quite adapt. So they come to the CEBL and they're allowed to be sort of on ball and sort of are are kind of given the, the, the room to spread their wings there. But with Guelph, one of the guys on their team was actually A.J. Lawson's teammate at College Park last year in the G League, Cat Barber, who played a couple N- NBA games this year with the Hawks and was one of the best players in the CEBL last year. He made second team all G League and so that's Cat Barber's team. That dude runs pretty much everything that's going on in the offense there and A.J. Lawson worked so well off of Cat Barber cutting baseline. Again, like I said, running in transition, really getting that uh, that running attack going for Guelph. It was really, really cool to see him kind of find that role and that's why in the NBA, you know, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to be successful. He can hit a catch and shoot three. He can leak out for an outlet pass and kind of get you going on the run. And that's really sort of what I think Wolves fans can look for from AJ Lawson.
0: Yeah. And, and that was one of my principal questions was, can, can, you know, is he going to be an off ball? Obviously, he was at South Carolina for college ball and, and they were not good. Mm-hmm. I think they won like four games his his last year there and he, but he was scoring because i mean he was probably the lone nba prospect on that team and and scored almost yeah. 17 points a game um, the three point shooting percentage as you mentioned he was a good catch and shoot guy in the canadian league and those numbers across the board he played a little bit in the g league last year were were fairly were were good enough on on pretty high volume they were basically league average type you know 35 36% kind of in that range um mm-hmm. so that was one of my questions is is can he be maybe even a three and D type player. And and it also seems like, I guess the second part of that is it seems like he's mostly, I I think he's listed as a guard, but it feels like after initiating a lot of offense early in his college career, he's probably more of a two, three, maybe more three can even play, you know, some small ball four potentially. I know the rebounding numbers aren't great, but it seems like he could be more of like a wing, um, a a bigger wing that could be a good screener. He did a lot of that in summer league. Um, So I guess I kind of asked you a lot of questions at once there, but uh, basically (laughs) can he be that three D type wing player at the NBA level?
1: Yeah, I mean he's going to have to improve the shooting to like a base level. I think yeah. he was only like 33 percent in the CEBL this year, okay. um, which isn't terrible or anything like that. But you know that that's obviously something you want to take up if you're going to be a meaningful NBA player. Right. I, I think I'm with you that sort of the two three three and D style player is probably what you're looking for on offense. I do think there's some juice there, okay. and I think he's a more sort of well-rounded offensive player than he is on defense, where you know he's a little bit slight. You know, up against bigger bodies in the NBA, I could see him struggling against sort of bigger wing types, but he's long, he's quick, he can certainly guard guards, I would say. And yeah, the sort of two-three is where I would probably slot him in. Probably more traditionally a two, um, you know, with some bench lineups for that Wolves team. You could totally see him kind of work in there in a pinch, you know, the way two guys, two-way guys tend to. Um, But yeah, the shooting is sort of gonna be the key factor, right? He was really, really great down in Summer League, and it was awesome to see him kind of flourish. And I am curious to see if that's just sort of something he kind of builds upon. This is a guy who improved even in the 10 games he played in the CEBL, from Game 1 to Game 10. It was, like, noticeable. And actually, I caught up with this coach, Charles Kissy, of the Guelph Nighthawks, at a game they were playing recently, and I was calling it. And this was just after AJ had gone down for a workout with the Mavericks before summer league just to kind of do his medicals and all that stuff to get himself ready to go. And he had just come back. He was playing in his first game back. And I asked the coach, like, hey, so, like, what's AJ doing? How was the workout? He's like... Dude came back 3 days ago hasn't missed a shot like it gave him like some new sort of like fire as a player just to get that NBA look and he carried that over to summer league i did not expect him to be as good as he was in summer league but you know really awesome to see it and, and you know the steady progression it does feel like he's kind of a guy who i wonder if because of the timing of his career With the COVID, you know, sort of, you know, compressing seasons, hurting development, I wonder if he's the type of guy who, now that he's getting to actually play some consistent basketball, maybe that leads to some development that maybe didn't get a chance to happen when he was in college because his season was, was compressed. All
0: right, that was Sean Woodley with Lockdown Raptors talking AJ Lawson again, July 25th. If you want to go back and listen or watch that episode, we have a full conversation breaking Lawson and his fit in the NBA down. So please go find that if you're interested. A big thank you to those who do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, we are daily uh, plus live postcasts after every game, so oftentimes it's more than five days a week. We'll have a Wednesday show previewing Wolves Magic, and then we'll do the live postcast with Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North. 45 minutes following the final horn on Wednesday. And then uh, Thursday... That show will be the post-game podcast, a full breakdown of Wednesday's game. So tons of content still coming at you this week. A big thank you again if you do make us your first listen. And of course, you can find this show anywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Also on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Roku or Amazon Fire TV app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves or at B-Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can make your second listen, the fantastic Lockdown Sports Today show. Check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and The Take of the Day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all we have for you today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.